You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hey, welcome back, my friends, to another episode of American Sex, a podcast dedicated to normalizing conversations about pleasure and alternative sexual expression by challenging those puritanical backward ass ideals we have here in the U.S. This is episode 108 of American Sex Podcast, and I'm Sunny Megatron. My co-host is Ken Melvoinberg, and you'll be hearing from him in just a few minutes. We're both sexuality educators, pleasure advocates, and kinky perverts, too. This week, we are talking with Lee Harrington. He's an internationally known sexuality, relationship, and personal authenticity educator. Having taught in all 50 states across six countries, he brings a combination of playful engagement and thoughtful academic dialogue to a broad audience. An award-winning author and editor on human gender, sexual, and sacred experience, his books include Traversing Gender, Understanding Transgender Journeys, also Sacred Kink, The Eightfold Paths of BDSM and Beyond, and Shibari You Can Use, Japanese Rope Bondage and Erotic Macrame, among many other books. Now, during this conversation with Lee, we talk about sex magic and sacred kink, and I know what's happening. Some of you American fuckers listening along are like, yeah, you know, this sounds fascinating. It is right up my alley. But there are those others. I know. I can, I can see you. Believe it or not, I see you right there with those headphones on. You're like, nah, you know, this isn't really my cup of tea at all. You know, maybe I'll just sit this episode out. Nah. Okay, stop. Stop right there. Those in that latter group, you need to listen to this episode. Okay, so... Lee and others attuned to his way of thinking might call the altered states of consciousness or profound emotional shifts and psychological stimulation that they experience during sex and kink. They might call that spiritual, you know, connected to the divine or other labels that some of us might consider very, quote, woo-woo. But the thing is, most of us experience those altered states of consciousness, those profound emotional shifts, and psychological stimulation during our play. And if we remove the woo-woo labels, we discover that we're actually all going through exactly the same stuff. The only difference is what we choose to call it and how we fit it into the framework of our own belief systems. Now, I admit I like to think that I'm one of those very science-minded, logical-thinking individuals. I'm not very woo. You know, I have a tattoo of a human heart with the word science on my body because science is my God. And yeah, you know, I still experience a lot of that unexplainable stuff that a lot of us, maybe even most of us, do. You know, like grand coincidences, knowing things that there's no way I could have known, uh, the mysteries of life and, and transcended experiences and profound human connection, or events unfolding in a manner that are so perfect that they seem completely predestined. You know, all those things, those unexplainable things. But rather than calling them spiritual, I think of them as scientific and theoretically explainable. It's just that humans haven't figured out how to explain these things yet. But, you know, once we figure it out, they could be explained with science. That's what I think. But again, at the end of the day, you know, no matter what you call them, what I call them, what you call them, whatever, 
all of our experiences are really all the same stuff. So with that said, at the start of this conversation, Lee teaches you how to code switch in a way, you know, so you can translate what he's talking about to the language or belief systems that you happen to follow. And after that, prepare to have your mind completely 100% absolutely blown. We talk about looking at spirituality through the lens of technology, how to pervert spirituality, and how to figure out when that's appropriate the practical reality of sex magic that we all can benefit from, reconciling your religious beliefs with sexuality, especially when your sexual practices are extreme, reconciling feminism with BDSM, combating the, quote, one true way of thinking in both kink and religious belief systems, and a whole lot more. I'm telling you, this episode is damn good. Your brain is going to be chewing so much, your brain might have to listen to this twice. But before I get to Lee, a couple quick things. I want to remind you that last week's guest, Lizette, aka Sexology Bay, is running a sex toy giveaway right now. You can win yourself a number of really awesome toys from Blush Novelties, Split Peaches, and Love Honey that were graciously provided by SheVibe and Betty's Toy Box. The giveaway ends this Thursday, October 31st, so you gotta hop on it. I'm gonna have the link to the giveaway in the show notes for episode 108 at americansexpodcast.com. But if you want it now, grab that pen. It's bit.ly, so B-I-T dot L-Y slash three five L-Q-F-L-U. And lastly, I don't want you to forget about Ducky Doolittle's free online sex educator Skillshare conference. There are three sessions in the series left. On November 3rd, it's Sustainable Sex Ed, How Sex Educators Can Make the Money to Match Our Passion with Amy Jo Goddard. On December 8th, it's me. I will be teaching podcasting for audience growth and revenue. And on December 15th, Sunny Rogers will be taking us through a three-month plan to find your niche and build your sexuality career. So again, these webinars are absolutely 150 gazillion percent free. All you have to do is sign up. I'll have the link in the show notes or grab that pen again. You can hop over to sextoyradio.com slash sex dash educator dash skill dash share dash conference. And right on that page, you can actually view a replay of the first session right now, which is sex after cancer given by Ducky Doolittle. All right, all that's out of the way. You got all your free stuff. Here we go. No matter what your spiritual beliefs, you need to be prepared right now to have your mind blown to tiny little microscopic smithereens by Lee Harrington. We have author, educator, sexpert, uh, and all-around Renaissance man Lee Harrington on the show today to talk to us about his book, uh, Sacred Kink. So this is just amazing. Now, a lot of the American fuckers out there, first of all, hi, Lee. And thank you for being on the show. It's a delight to get to finally be here. We have known each other for how many years and just never made this happen. So I'm I know. stupidly excited. Oh, yeah. that is so yeah. awesome. So a, a lot of the, the American fuckers out there, you may not know this, but I owned a metaphysical bookstore for years and years, practiced sacred sexuality, um, 
Uh, went to OTO uh, events, had my Minerval done, and did all sorts of sex stuff with my cousin. With my co- no, cousin. Oh my god, that's a completely different show. I met Coven. <laughs> Coven. <laughs> Coven oh, and cousin. Best, best Freudian slip ever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Cousin Tim, are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and so anyway, <laughs> so I thought we would invite Leon to talk. So you owned a bookstore. <laughs> I did. I owned a metaphysical bookstore called Minor Arcana. That's beautiful. And, we prim- and I actually knew Sonny- Sonny's mom before I knew Sonny was one of the people that regularly came to the classes and everything because before, uh, well, before I became a sex educator, I was, uh, Chicago's expert on the occult paranormal, uh, was speaking out on, uh, different news wires and TV shows about stuff, but more than all of that, I love teaching the classes on different forms of magic and tarot and how to make incense and, uh, like all the things that kind of go along with being, you know, a, a pagan or a neo-pagan. And so sacred sexuality is something that is very interesting to me. And I also think it'll be interesting to a lot of the folks here, even if they're not on the woo side of things. So tell us a little bit about sacred kink. Yeah. So I've been exploring kink and the kink community for 23 years, mid nineties. And, uh, yeah, time, time is what it is. Anyway, I, uh, when I first came into the public kink community and, and kinky sex communities, which is everything from swinging and in my categories, everything from swinging and fetishization to BDSM and bondage and spanking and all of that stuff. I was also exploring sacred, I was exploring paganism as well as dipping my toe into sacred sexuality at the same time. And I started having conversations with people about the fact that I would have these moments in the middle of being spanked or flogged or having other intense sensations done where I would reach similar but not identical altered states of consciousness as I was having when do I, when I was doing transcendental meditation or when I was doing guided visualization or astral journeying. And I would have these similar experiences. And I was trying to talk with people in the kinky sex communities about these moments. And I kept on being told, but um, it's just a spanking, right? And because there wasn't a language back in the 90s to talk about these experiences, there just wasn't a way to have the dialogue for the most part. And so for me, sacred kink is about acknowledging the diverse ways we enter into altered states of consciousness and acknowledge that these things called kink are tools to be able to do that stuff. And the things we call kinky appear for the last thousands of years in various spiritual and religious practices. And so if we slip into these moments of having profundity, right, of having these moments of aha in kink, it's because we've been using these technologies for other purposes worldwide for a long time. So to me, it's not surprising that we do. And my book and the discussion around it came from me talking with Raven Caldera, who's another sex educator and and pagan practitioner and spirit worker. 
and he had written an essay called The Eightfold Paths to to Altered States of Consciousness in Northern Tradition Shamanism, right? So a nice, short little title, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was reading this essay, and I ended up talking to Raven and said, well, this is really explaining a lot, like you're breaking this down into ways that we explore sexuality, too. And he said, but this essay is about northern tradition shamanism right like that's what the essay is about and i'm like yeah but you could also use it to discuss sexuality and so basically this book that i ended up writing was a 400 plate the 400 plus page argument with raven right (laughs) (laughs) and i say it with full love so fucking awesome right like i say it with full love because i love the man so much and um and he there's no there's no harshness i I, when i say argue i mean it in the the loving discussion kind of way right the sit around and drinking glasses of port argument right Right. not the fisticuffs not the throwing punches kind of way it's you know it's discussing things around a campfire and toxic masculinity as opposed to toxic masculinity. right exactly and so yeah it's uh my, my discussion came out of his framework and these experiences i've been having for 20 plus years and i feel really blessed by having gotten to travel worldwide and talk about these topics with people all over the place who are everything from devout baptist practitioners to people who are uh you know, who are Wiccan or who are practitioners of ceremonial magic or people who are Muslim or completely atheistic about their experiences. And it gave me a chance to weave it into my own life. So mm-hmm. some of where I talk about these things also come from their those people's experiences that they've gifted me their stories. Right. Now, I find it interesting listening to you talk about this because, you know, I I am very much a proponent of taking from other disciplines to explain the things that we find and feel and experience in sexuality or more specifically in BDSM. Mm. And I, and I want to point something out because I, I know Ken gave you his background. He's, he is very like rooted in the woo and had the metaphysical bookstore. And, and from my perspective, it's kind of interesting because I've, my mother, you know, he knew my mother. She was very, very into all this stuff. So naturally a child is against what they're, their parents are into the kind of relationship we had. So I've been very like, for a long time in my life, been very kind of woo adverse, like, I don't know. about. however, you know, as I, I I'm learning more, and I just came from um, Amy Jo Goddard's Firewoman retreat, which is was fucking amazing. Mm. And for me, it kind of like, settled my rocky relationship with woo, because it's like, this shit happens. You know, there are so many people you can talk to no matter what their beliefs. And you say, with your experience in BDSM, do you enter altered states of, oh, fuck yeah, of course I do. You know, and and I think a lot of us have these experiences, and we may not know how to label it, how to categorize it. Or like for me, who was someone who was, I would say more formally woo adverse, I'm I'm now I'm embracing the woo. Um, (laughs) You know, we kind of shun this stuff. But how funny you don't look wooish shut up up, ken you're a wooish Um, princess but you know how would you find that what you know your book and the the eightfold path and and this sacred king do you really feel that it applies to everyone no matter what their spiritual beliefs 
So I think one of the challenges you just brought up around having these dialogues is that the language gets in the way of having some of the dialogues with some individuals, right? Right. That if I say things like going on an astral journey, the number of people who are going to roll their eyes and go, right, you're going into the astral plane. Like it's just, it's, it's, there's a mockery that almost comes out based on people's experiences and what they think those words mean or what their Mm -hmm. experience is. So to me, when I try to have these dialogues, I like to offer translation matrixes up front. Mm. So if I say going on an astral journey, if you want to translate that as looking into your own unconscious mind and being able to use symbolism, to look at your own life experience and dissect it through the visualizations you have. Cool. Right. Translate away. If I say higher power and you want to translate that as goddess or God or internal sense of will translate, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want people to get held back from our dialogues around this stuff or from accessing the technologies. Because I do, I think all this shit's technology, right? Um, Yeah. You know, it's like a vibrator, right? I can use the vibrator for a whole lot of different stuff. Yes, I can use it for massaging my shoulders. Thank you very much, Hitachi, right? Like, (laughs) I, I appreciate that. And there's times we're actually using it for its original packaged purpose. It's pretty darn cool. Right. Yeah. But I can also use it for putting that Hitachi right up on someone's perineum to, you know, to massage the back of their balls. Or I could use that Hitachi based on the top of my clitoral shaft, not at the clitoral head, but above it in that mons pubis area to vibrate there underneath the skin. Or I could use it in SM to put it on someone's teeth and say, take that, right? Like, which if you've never done that and you're an asshole, it's a pretty cool thing to add to your asshole regime. (laughs) I'm totally stealing that. I've done electric play on people's teeth, but never vibrated. Right? It really sucks. Um, Oh, God. I can't even imagine. It really sucks. It's like making somebody chew on tinfoil. It's horrible. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Right? So I can use, you know, I can use that vibrator in any of those ways. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it's the same concept of, say, using conscious breathing. I could use it as a way to, quote, pump my kundalini up from its coiled serpent spine from the bottom of my spine and work that cobra up through my energetic body until its crown erupts out of my crown. Or I could also say if I use conscious breathing, I'd be able to focus onto how I relate to my skin's responses to sensation. It's some similar shit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Though there are, of course, people who have practiced kundalini yoga that will go, actually, it's not really similar shit. It just looks the same. And if you are one of those people listening, I hear you. I have acknowledged that experience. And we're trying to access this information for people who aren't woo. Yeah. And thank you for that. Because, you know, I'm fine in my the angsty teenager inside of me that's like, I'm gonna hate everything my mother loves is finally going away. And, you know, I've come to realize like, holy shit, we're all talking about the same stuff. We're all having the same experiences. It's just our words and our labels. Like you may call it whatever you call it. I might call it like, oh, logical science, but it's all the same damn fucking thing. Right. There was a a quote that I'm trying to remember who it was, um, but there was a quote that I once heard that is um, magic is science that science has not yet explained. 
Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, you've just explained my whole philosophy of life right there. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the things that we are doing that I might say, oh, when we're talking about glossolalia, which is the technical term for speaking in tongues, I've certainly had times in the midst of sexual, you know, sexual experiences where I've gone into these moments of just making verbal experiences that don't make any sense whatsoever, but it's because I'm in this heightened state of being. Mm -hmm. So am I experiencing the divine coming through my mouth and speaking out tongues and truths that only the gods can translate? Or am I just speaking gibberish because I've been having an orgasm that lasted more than one minute who knows, right? right? And as someone who is a spirit worker and who does do stuff that involves trance work that takes me into speaking with the spirits, the person that has that, do I have a very different translation than the academic-minded nerd who also does all the science stuff? Yep. But I'm also a believer in being able to walk in two worlds at the same time. I don't mm -hmm. think they have to work against each other but I also acknowledge that there are times when I can see it as just translating between two different code switching, right? That I'm code right, switching yeah. between different things. And yet, there is also a part of me that is a spiritual practitioner that goes, well, actually, it's not the same. And here are all the reasons that it is different. And there are moments that I pause and go, okay, but who am I speaking to? And which of these things actually matters in this moment? Mm. Because there, I, I mean, I was once talking when there's a sex educator by the name of Wintersong Toshlin. And he's yeah. also a, yeah, y'all know Winter. Um, right. I don't know, yeah. has Winter ever been on the show though? No. Not yet. No. Wintersong, if you have a chance to look up, look up his work, he's fantastic. It's Wintersong Toshlin, spelled T-A-S-H-L-I-N. And I will put a link in the show Please notes at AmericanSexPodcast.com. Um, yep. So, so Wintersong is amazing. And uh, Wintersong and I were talking one time about practicing magic. And by magic, in this case, I am referring to spiritual tradition and or magical tradition frameworks as compared to magic when we're talking about sleight of hand. Right. So we were talking about practicing magic and, and he was saying that he doesn't practice, he doesn't do 201 or higher magic or classes about magic if he's been teaching 101 over and over and over again, because it's like math that it's hard to do calculus or higher mathematics if you've been trying to explain to people over and over how arithmetic works. Right. Your brain just doesn't tap into that level of stuff in the same way. And I think that happens with sex, too. That if I'm being an academic nerd and keep having to thinking about exactly where the Graftenberg spot or G spot is in comparison with the urethral sponge and are those two the same thing or different mechanically and how do those things interact with whether or not somebody who has experienced menopause or is in perimenopause, if I'm doing all of that nerding, science nerding, am I actually connecting with my lover at the same time? Or is it about knowing that nerdiness enough to be able to have my hands do the stuff that my hands need to do while still looking my lover in the eye and diving in emotionally with them? Mm. And there are some people who can multitask that stuff. 
right? But for others of us, it's about learning that knowledge, learning about where the prostate is and how to milk it and doing all of that tech stuff ahead of time, putting it then in the back of our brain so that I can now put my hand on my lover's heart while we breathe together, while I reach my well-lubed fingers in my little nitrile gloves up inside their ass and start milking that spot about two inches up, slowly caressing while we are both breathing together because I'm not worrying about, okay, well, how much pressure do I need to have? Because that stuff's already in the back of my head. Right. right. I did that work over and over and over again so that I could then quote, forget about it and be present with my partner. And is that magic or is that us being present with one another? I once heard a a, a mathematical piece by uh, Lupa Greenwolf that is magic is intention plus attention. Hmm. And with it being amplified then with aligned action. So intention plus attention, what's my intention being connected with my lover or my play partner or whoever this might be that is before me or behind me, depending on our sexual positions at this given moment, right? Mm -hmm. I'm all about somebody being behind me. That sounds really awesome right now, actually. (laughs) That would be great. Um, But is it being with the person or people that I am with right now? Say that's my intention. Well, what am I doing to bring attention? It means checking my worrying about my taxes at the door of the bedroom, right? Mm -hmm. I bring attention by letting all of that bullshit stay to the side for a moment. And I then create aligned action by actually doing the things I said I was going to do and then doing kink or sexuality or ritual together that brings us into the moment. It's the difference between having a hot, heated, sexy moment as compared to before we get started, we light some candles and put them at least three inches away from our curtains with a cat not in the bedroom. (laughs) As somebody who can speak from the experience of candles being knocked over and then lighting that tissue that is on the underside of your mattress on fire. No, no. On the bottom of the box springs. Yeah, don't do that shit. Don't do that. Learn from me and my former husband. Don't do that. Right? Mm. But it's about lighting those candles or pre-making your sexual playlist that you know is two hours long, which is how long you have time before the babysitters drop your kids off. Right? And you know the song that's halfway into the middle and you know the song that's 15 minutes to the end. So you can script this erotic experience without being surprised by the end of your playlist. Right? Like it's about setting the intention, not just that moment, but it's crafting your erotic experience for weeks ahead of time by making that playlist, by figuring out what colors turn you and your lover on. And suddenly I've created this sacred space between the three of us or 17 of us or two of us or solitary for just me. That for me, there's a difference between masturbating and having that moment of making my masturbation magical by laying out the furs on my bed. I have this black bear pelt that I received after doing a whole bunch of spiritual woo-woo stuff. 
that I lay out this bear pelt and I light candles in an initiate, like that, that are candles that I have crafted specifically for doing sacred working. And I light those around while having said prayers as I am beginning, as I then put on music all by Drum Spider, spelled with a Y. We'll put that in the notes as well because Drum Spider is an amazing sexual, erotic, connecting person whose music's just really fun to fuck to, if nothing else. And I'll do all of that work and that erotic connection with myself, even if it's not for a spiritual practice specifically, that erotic connection with me will by its very, by its very nature of what I did to get ready for it will invariably be a different experience than me jerking one off before I go to bed. Right. Oh, for sure. In fact, it's it's interesting that you say this. Um, I, I taught a class called Out of Body Adventures, which is how to do, uh, you know, like guided visualization that leads to astral projection. Mm. And the way that that class came around was that I actually was exploring astral projection at one point, and it led me to multiple orgasms. And I didn't even know that I was capable of doing that at that point. This was like way in the late 80s. Mm. Uh, that I was trying all of this and that experience in doing it out of body is what led me to develop an entire course, sort of like reverse of what you're talking about, but I think it's kind of related. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because some people use the tools they have from from spiritual workings and or magical workings and can bring it into their sex and their kink. And there's other people who have been doing this stuff with their sex and their kink who can then bring it into their spiritual or magical or faith-based practices. And I think of it very much as what tool sets do you have already? How can we use that everywhere? Because you who are listening at home are full of awesomeness, and people don't always realize that they come full of knowledge, right? If you're already, a, if you're already a nurse, say, or a doctor, or a nurse's assistant, or any, you know, an EMT, etc., and you're coming into kinky stuff, you already have a stack of knowledge for doing. Um, say, play piercing or doing stuff with bloodborne or fluid safety when it comes to group sex or any of that stuff, you already have that knowledge and you can pervert what you have into these new realms. And so if you're having these skill sets and these experiences you're already having from within magical or pagan or, you know, altered states technologies, why not bring that shit into your sex life? Yeah. There's yeah. no reason not to pervert it unless, of course, your magical or spiritual tradition specifically says not to do it, in which case I would encourage you to look at the whys behind that. Because in some spiritual traditions, the reason there was a why behind it, let's look at, say, the Otia, which folks who don't know, it's the Ordo Templi Orientalis, and it's a ceremonial magic tradition that was founded by cisgender white men in a homophobic period of white experience coming out of England and into America, right? So that's the snapshot that we've got to be aware of. So when we're looking at sex magic traditions within the OTO, it starts out with masturbatory magic, right? Specifically, cisgender white men doing masturbatory magic, 
Mm. right? That men have these traditions revealed to them, but women are considered to be not necessarily ready because of their fragile sense of self and sexuality, right? And then the knowledges that are revealed are around male and female sexual practices with the spiritual element and magical element of it being led by the men, because men have right. more framework underneath them to be able to guide the energy. Let's look like that. That's even just in the first two levels of the sex magic stuff. Before we even get into the fact that the the more advanced techniques are sexual penetration between men. Ooh, why is it more powerful? Because that shit was taboo within that cultural framework. And why were men exploring it? And why was it perceived that men have more juice and more power and more any of that stuff? Look at your cultural frameworks and all of our misogyny built into that shit and all of our racism built into that shit, right? And so I love a lot of the wisdoms that are revealed within the OTO. There's some great technology but especially in light, I mean, if we're looking at the OTO right now and its own political upheavals that are happening within that organization. Oh, Jesus, the, the alt-right is taking over them. Well, and while simultaneously, that is happening while simultaneously, there are groups within the OTO that are fighting for people to be able to be priests or priestesses no long, no, not based on their gender assigned at birth. Right. And these two cultures are clashing and we're running into the same thing that's happening in the kink community around things like, I mean, I, I recently was in the, by recently, I mean about three, four years ago, I was teaching down in, um, in Mississippi, right in Gulfport, Mississippi. And there was a woman who had driven a group of three of them that had driven from Northern Mississippi three and a half hours to come to my class on power exchange and it was looking at power exchange within cultural frameworks. And by power exchange, I mean both authority exchange, right? Who is taking on authority within a relationship and who is acceding their authority to the other person, as well as how do we make this juice that is between us flow as if we're batteries plugged into the same machine, right? Mm -hmm. And I was, I was doing this class and the three of them had driven because they had heard that I teach about stuff that is other than Men are dominant, women are submissive, because these three people lived in rural northern Mississippi, where their local group had said to a woman, well, clearly you're going to be submissive because you're a woman. Aww. And had also said to the same woman, well, clearly you're going to be submissive because you're black. <gasps> Oh, God. And had also said to this woman at a different time period, well, of course, you're going to be submissive because you're differently, you're physically abled in a different way. You're in a wheelchair most of the time. So, of course, you're you're going to be a submissive. Mm. This is still part of the kink communities we are in because the kink and sex communities and the spirituality communities of all sorts and magical communities are microcosms of the world we're living in. And right now I am living in North America as a white person who is read as cisgender, even though I was assigned female birth and socialized female. Now that I've been medically, I medically transitioned 13 years ago and I am now read as cisgender in the world. And so 
people say shit to me and other guys especially say things to me because they assume that I'm a white cisgender man where I'm like, whoa, dude, back your shit up. Like, what the hell? What the hell just came out of your mouth and you assume I'm just, I'm going to have the same experience as you do and the same opinions? So the conversations I'm talking about are based on being in those communities. And so if you're listening and you're a trans woman of color raised in the South, or if you're an indigenous, you know, if you're, um, you know, you're an indigenous person raised out on the uh, Polynesian islands, we are going to have different life experiences. So please hack what I am sharing and translate it through your own matrix, because I am just speaking from my own life journey. Because mm-hmm. I can't have lived your journey. So if I am saying things for you, listener, as a way that are different than what your experiences are, please hack my stuff and call me on my shit because I am just one life and I am learning and growing all the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. sex magic itself is a great way to raise energy for a stated purpose. Mm. What else can we do with sacred kink that is that differentiates itself from, say, sex magic by Donald Stevenson? Yeah. Real quick, real quick, for those that aren't in a loop. Oh, sorry. Define for me, like, what exactly is sex magic? That's a great question. Yeah. Yeah, so magic is this thing that we mentioned before, right? It is that which is beyond science's definition. It's, at least this is my definition, is technologies and or practices that have either a magical overtone to them, right? The trappings of some sort of magical practice and or tap into stuff that is bigger than we can explain with science or different than what we can explain with science. That's my own definition, but it's pretty, that's pretty vague. What's your definition? Mm-hmm. You know what, if, for me, magic and, and by the way, like the, and, and I was coming back to something that you said earlier, that quote you said earlier, for those of you that are on the non-woo side of things is actually by science fiction author, Arthur C. Clarke. Ooh, thank you. Uh, and if that's just such a great quote for me, magic is doing something that's a, that is a, purpose that we raise energy for that we can't do for ourselves. So for example, I don't do magic for getting the dishes done, but I might for overall prosperity or for calmness that they're for things that are larger than me, but they have to be a stated purpose and they have to be done in a specific way to get them done. And that's sort of how, at least how I view it, how we get the different you know, orders and denominations and the differences between OTO and Odinists and Wiccans. And it's all flavors of ice cream, but they're all different flavors, Mm. but they're all ice cream. Does that make sense? I love that. Yeah. And we talk about energy, raising energy for these purposes. Sex magic is using the things that get called sex as the way that we raise that energy, raise that juice Mm. to fuel the thing we're doing. So, in some situations, it's doing magic for the purpose of fueling our sex, but more often I find it's using sexual technologies to fuel the battery of this machine we're going to run called the magic itself. And so when we talk about kink magic, it's using our kink to fuel the magic that we're doing. Or it is using kink as the trappings with which the magic will take place. So, or in, you know, and, and to me, there's a difference between kink magic, which is an interesting book in and of itself by Taylor Elwood and Lupa. Um, but, uh, 
or as compared to sacred kink, which is kink that has a sacred element to it. And sacred and kink, sorry, magic could be sacred or not. And that which is sacred could be magical or not. Right? These, these are Venn diagrams that Great cross point. over each other. Yeah, that's, that, that's actually a really important distinction, too. Yeah, because for some situation, like I do, I do some of my kink, like for floggings, for example, that, that technology of hitting somebody with a flail or a flogger. Um, I have used it so often as both a magical technology and a thing that has been dedicated to my, my spiritual path that I can't do that shit and have it be normal anymore. Like, hmm. I fall into trance so easy with that technology that I have to warn my tops. And as a top, I don't use it as a pickup play thing anymore. I only use it for specifically trance working type things. And to me, it's a, t- I have to like, I have to out myself about that in the same way that, uh, that if I was somebody who had a specific STI, I would want to out that ahead of time so that my partners can make informed decisions. Right. Not because it's... No, it, to- it totally makes sense. Yeah, and, and there's sometimes when those things are because uh, that, that they're sacred because it's also emotionally special to us. Because mm-hmm. we can use sacred in that definition, too. Right. So I think when we're talking about sacred kink or kink magic, it's using the kink itself as compared to sex. And what what is kinky and what is sex i don't know anymore <laughs> <laughs> it's actually become less clear over it here. really has people are like ask 20 different people get 20 different probably get 37 based on the day you ask them <laughs> yeah. right like did we just have sex i don't know i was just i was just talking to my ma'am about this recently because I'm in an authority exchange dynamic with an amazing woman, and we were talking about sex, and we were talking about the fact that uh, that she doesn't have sex in public, and I'm like, but I've seen you use a strap on on someone in a public dungeon, so what's up with that? And she talks about this in her classes, so I'm not telling stories out of out of classes as out of school, as it were, and uh, and she was like, well. It's not sex to me because sex is that which is intimate and involves my naked body and someone else's in a point that is very emotionally intimate. And so I was fully clothed and using a strap-on harness and I was in a place of domination. It wasn't intimate to me. It was about power and authority and somebody that I'm actually friendly with, but I don't have that degree of intimacy. And I'm like, cool. And yet if you ask that person, did you have sex with her? Her answer would probably be yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've had that happen with lots of people. I had a former lover of mine, that a former partner of mine, that I asked her, hey, are we? can you tell me if you're having sex with anyone else so that I'm just not surprised if they bring up the story? And we were talking, and, and she mentioned offhandedly, oh, yeah, so four weeks ago when I went down on that guy, I'm like, hold on a second, what? <laughs> and she was like, what? And I'm like, so the word oral sex has the word sex in it. And it's now four weeks later and I'm just hearing about this story. Why didn't I hear about it then? And she was like, well, because it was just oral sex. And I'm like, but, but there's the word sex in that. So, um, and for her, she'd grown up Catholic. And for her, penis in vagina or penis in ass, maybe if you're stretching the definition, 
but usually penis and vagina is how you define the word sex. Everything else is a big thing that's called sexuality or is erotic, but isn't necessarily sex based on her upbringing. Mm -hmm. And uh, Melina Williams tells this great story of how she was in Los Angeles and cruising this guy and she outed to him that she was kinky. And he's like, I'm not kinky. I don't know. And he's very thick Southern drawl. And later that night, they end up having this, you know, scene where they're back up in his room and he's throwing her around and slapping her ass and pulling her hair and choking her. And the next morning she said, I thought you said you weren't kinky. And he said, I ain't kinky. That's just how I fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Because yeah. kink is also that word alone, let alone BDSM, is a hugely alienating term because of the number of people I know that are African-American, especially, that if you use the word BDSM, the picture that gets painted is 50 shades of gray, a.k.a. white rich people doing freaky shit with gear that is too expensive for anyone else to afford. Mm -hmm. As compared to getting freaky or getting your freak on right we're getting nasty that might be painting a similar picture right but doesn't it, it actually taps into a different conversation than if i use the word bdsm we think we're having the same conversation same thing with the stuff that i call sacred kink or kink magic I am using it within the frameworks of where I'm coming from, but my personal belief is that a lot of this stuff can be accessed by a lot of different people in different ways. The trick is, what are we doing? Because when I was teaching a class on this topic, when I teach classes on this topic, it's important to me to use a variety of religious and spiritual frameworks to have the discussion, right? So I was talking about the notion that uh, that within a lot of Christian practices, the act of sexual uh, sexuality, especially sex for procreation, but sexuality with one's spouse is a way you can show your continued devotion to God. Especially if we look at Judaism, right? If we're looking for Abrahamic traditions, in Judaism, the notion that God gave humans flesh and separated Adam into Eve was that so sexual union between spouses, you are able to come back and thank God for all that you have. How beautiful is that? And I had a, 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 a Baptist couple come up to me at the end of the class crying, and they were saying that they are devoutly Baptist, but they show up to the BDSM dungeon on Saturday nights because for them, getting their kink on, public or private, with their spouse is a way to show God, thank you for giving humans flesh. Thank you for letting us have all of these diverse senses and ways to explore each other. How is this not a gift from God? And yet they had been told by other kinky people that clearly they're not good Christians because they're getting their freak on. Aww. They were being Christian shamed. Wow. Because if you're a good Christian, well, and it's because the number of SM people, and especially the number of LGBTQ people I know, who have been told by their families or their former pastors or priests or whatever, who have been shamed for their sexuality and told that what you're doing is against God's will, of course people are going to have emotional responses. Mm -hmm. Because of the number of people 
who have been harmed by their faith, of their milk faith, as it were. And that doesn't say that God doesn't love you. For those people out there who are like, how can I do this stuff and still be Christian or still be whatever? Well, God never said that shit. The humans interpreting the love of divine said that shit. And humans come full of their own cultural baggage. Support for episode 108 of American Sex Podcast comes from Manscaped, who's number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for you or your honey's family jewels. Ken loves using Manscaped products, and I love the result. Yeah, I like working with a super smooth canvas, if you know what I mean. I bet you or one of your partners would dig Manscaped too. In fact, I think this so much that I'm going to give you 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. All you have to do is use the code SUNNY. So why is Manscaped so great anyway? Well, first of all, Manscaped has completely redesigned the electric trimmer. Their sexy lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer shaves your nuts but doesn't chop them. They also know that ball stink can be a real problem, and that's why Manscaped has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. And Manscaped is also the perfect gift for a partner. You know, the holidays are coming up, right? No more stinky, no more ball five o'clock shadow scraping off your face when you're trying to work your magic and say goodbye to those pubes stuck in your throat. American fuckers, go get your 20% off and free shipping with the code SUNNY, S-U-N-N-Y, at M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. Yep, that's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code SUNNY. You know, it's interesting, Had uh, when I was in seminary and, and talking to a bunch of other religious practitioners, the one thing that I found kind of unique amongst the different denominations is that when you talk to people of any kind of Semitic faith, whether it's a mullah, whether it's a rabbi, they they both seem to have the same kind of feelings overall about kink, um, where Christians do not. Like uh, Christian Gnostics, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But like when you're when you were talking like, you know, evangelical and Baptists and, you know, Calvinists, you know, they don't fuck standing up because it might lead to dancing. Right. They're that uptight about the whole, you know what I'm saying? It's, uh, but like, I was incredibly surprised to find out that a very conservative mullah was absolutely in support of BDSM as long as it's with a married couple and everybody was on board and, you know, consent was yep. there. And he, and he used the word consent. He's like, yeah, you know, like me, I'm a mullah and I love blowjobs, but only for my wife. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. And well, I, yeah. I mean, it's seriously. And, um, I was once getting to demo bottom for a piss play class, as one does, right? Mm-hmm. Um, of course. And it was at Tess Fest, um, which Tess is a group out of New York City. And so this was taking place in the context of being in New York City, right? So the context matters a lot. Because in this class, in the very back row, was this gentleman who was fully in, like, fully Hasidim, fully Hasidic, like, curls and everything, curls and big wide brim hat, everything. And later on that evening, I'm sitting in the hallway and the gentleman comes up to me. He's like, I don't know if you remember me from the piss play class. And I'm like, nope, I remember you. Like, you're pretty, (laughs) you're pretty distinct. 
And he was yeah. like, I was wondering if you would like to pee on me. And I'm like, no, but thank you for asking. And his response was not thank. His response was, it's okay because I asked my rabbi that as long as I'm clothed and I don't look at your vulva while you're peeing on me, it's okay. And I paused and I went, well, that's that's not why I said no, but that's interesting. <laughs> wow. <laughs> why I said no is I'm just not interested in topping anyone right now. But I appreciate the information, and I'm glad you did enough self-care for you to check with your rabbi. And it was really interesting that he had clearly thought about this enough and wondered about his own sexual desires and are they okay, that he was able to branch out, like build up that courage. Because for a lot of people I faith I know, there is such a fear of, am I broken? Am I wrong? Mm-hmm. And does God still love me? Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, I think it's one of those interesting things to, to really look at is when, if you are a person of faith listening, what filters are your own faith leaders coming from? My mother, uh, I self identified as a goddess worshiping Lutheran. And, When asked, a crystal healing goddess worshiping Lutheran. And when asked, how can you possibly still be Lutheran if you are doing all these other things? My mother said, God and I are good. What's with your attitude? Like, we're fine. Mama's right on the money. Right? She was like, we're we're fine. (laughs) What is your issue? Right? Wow. and so, again, what's, what are the filters that people are coming from? And that applies to things like kink, too, right? Because if somebody that you're interacting with who might not be a person of faith in any way, shape, or form, but they say, oh, my God, spanking is the most horrible thing ever. You're just perpetuating. Um, you're, you're, re, re, you're continuing to pe- perpetuate heterosexual, misogynistic violence within a relationship dynamic. Clearly, you are coming from a broken place if you are female identified and you want to be hit by somebody who is male identified. What is wrong with you? Feminism happened etc. My current response is, yes, feminism has happened. In fact, we're currently in the fourth wave feminism. Second wave feminism faced the down the issues of BDSM and violence and looked at those concerns of are we just perpetuating violence? Third wave feminism, because second wave feminism said we don't have to perpetuate violence. Third wave feminism said not just that, but that women are truly seen as self in self, you know, self, whatever self actualized. If they get to do whatever the hell they want to. Yeah. Right. And fourth wave says that fuck the labels entirely. Right. Um, but if we're looking at this stuff, what filter are people looking through? Cause if you're looking through the experience of having been a woman who loves women, a woman growing up in the seventies, looking at, male on female violence in the eyes and facing that with courage. Wow. What an amazing lens you've had a chance to grow up through. And now we're having a different conversation 50 years later. Let's talk about the next chapter of the conversation. Mm -hmm. Because the wisdom you're coming from is beautiful, and there's still people in the kink communities who have yet to hear your wisdom, 
let's keep that wisdom being spread because of the number of people I know, certainly in the kink community, that need to hear, by the way, authority exchange doesn't have to actually look like being an asshole and or domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I see that shit being perpetuated in our communities. Mm-hmm. Of people using power exchange dynamics as a reason to excuse their, you know. And I don't want to say assholishness because I'm really pro-asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Assholes are amazing. They're amazing. Everyone has them. You can use them in a thousand different ways. Like, even if they're not sexy. So, like, you don't have to be a douche canoe. How about that? Yeah, I like that. Right? No, because nobody, whether it's a... Nobody likes douche canoes. They're just bad. Right. It, and it doesn't really matter whether it's a canoe made of douches or it's whether it's a canoe full, <laughs> full of, of douches. douches. <laughs> right? It doesn't really matter which one it is. We don't need that. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um. And so to me, it's really like the stuff that we call sacred kink, which filters are we looking at it from? Which This thing that you call kink, what are you looking at it from? Because for some reason in our culture, being sexually attracted to women's tits and hips is totally normal, but being sexually attracted to their feet is weird. Yeah. There, there's a lot of culture there, mm-hmm. right? And being attracted to women's butts is normal but being attracted to men's butts is strange let's look at our misogyny right right um and if you don't like the words like misogyny and homophobia and you think that they're over perpetuated and overuse hey the word perpetuation is too big because there's times where there's a lot of academics right now who are using these words almost as like hold some stuff over you kind of thing of like i know all the fancy words and therefore i know stuff let's break it down to the idea that there are some people who are living their life from their own way they grew up as compared to looking at who they want to be today. Yeah. Yeah. So, And I what does question. your mom say to you, right? That you're holding on to. Oh, yes. Yeah. Question. I rambled yes. a whole lot. I, so no, I love yeah. it. I, I love I, it. No, no, no. I love it. But I do have a question that sort of dovetails off of what you're talking about. Um, one of the fastest rising religions right now is neo-paganism, uh, more, mm. more than almost any other. And that's because there is a separation of who is between you and the divine. Now, what I mean by that is like many Christian religions have a, you know, a minister or a preacher or reverend up in front that are, that they're interpreting what the divine is trying to relate to us. Um, when we have issues with our kink and with what we're doing, we're kind of filtering it through that person. What are your thoughts on that? So I think that, uh, that there's been a lot of evolutions within the Christian faith as well. And even going back to, you know, a hundred years in, it's constantly splitting and constantly growing and constantly being very interpreted. And so not every Christian sect out there requires there to be an interpreter. And on top of that, that there's a lot of, a lot of traditions out there that, um, that even the interpretation of the person who's at the front of the room is considered advice as compared to being the one true way. So I'm just going to put that out there um, as, as a, whatever and the fact that even catholicism has evolved so much when it went into you know uh the second uh the second translation system of, of moving everything being into published in something other than latin so profound shifts however with that said there one of the reasons that paganism ha- neo-paganism especially has grown is because exactly what you're talking about however just like in christianity 
if you pray and the gods listen to you, that's considered normal. But if the gods talk back, you're considered crazy. That's very true. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. And so Thor I told me today to have chicken soup for lunch. <laughs> right? There are a lot of people who go, that's just the crazy talk. Right? Um, and there's been some interesting dial, uh, some really interesting articles out there. I'm trying, I'm going to try to find some and we could put them in the show notes mm-hmm. of, um, indigenous, um, keepers of indigenous wisdom, whether we call them shamans, spirit workers, etc. Every community has their own terminology. And, uh, there's, there's been a number of them. There's been, um, interviews with folks, especially down in the Amazon who have gone into mental wards. And have said, you know what, if these people had grown up in our villages, probably a third of them wouldn't be in places like this. They'd be being taught on how to listen to their internal wisdom and the wisdoms that are being taught to them through the spirit realms and through being able to be empathic enough to hear other people's feelings. Mm. And so I think there's a piece of that that draws folks to neo-paganism, right? It gives new terminology for being able to explore this stuff or magical traditions that have words like empath to be able to explain people who are so emotional when they spend time around people instead of just saying, like, because if you say, I can feel their energy and I'm coming from a lot of monotheistic traditions, again, that sounds like the crazy talk. Right. Um, so I think there's a lot of that. I am concerned when I see people who come into various pagan and new age traditions who are taking their milk faiths and by milk faith faith, I mean that their mother's milk, right? What they Mm -hmm. were raised on. Um, and they are, they are putting the new words on top of how they interpreted their milk faith. Mm -hmm. And I, I have a poem that I did for my book, uh, uh, that's in my book uh, on on it's called on starry thighs sacred and sensual poetry and one of the lines in it is i will my i will not have the goddess i worship be a dangling god with breasts glued on oh that's awesome oh Because I see so many people who are taking their interpretations of the, quote, goddess, right? And they're having it as the goddess has suffered so much and she has suffered for us and she will listen to me. And and I'm like, that's some Jesus Christ shit you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. Right? And I'm all down with that. Right, JC and I'm like I'm all about, especially Joshua Ben Yosef interpretation of like the the before in, you know incarnation, like the dude who walked around humans and like talked to women who were being cast out at the well, like that JC and I are like down with each other. I'm all about his wisdom, and uh, but the amount of people I know in the pagan communities that are doing that kind of stuff, I'm like, wow, check your shit, mm-hmm. right? Because if what you're looking for is a sacrificing god or goddess who is taking on your suffering and is willing to teach you wisdom through it, there are some gods out there who did that, right? Mm-hmm. Including the divine form mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ, known as Joshua ben Yosef, right? Or Joshua ben Yosef, known as the Jesus, known as the Christ, like if we're looking at that stuff, that's great. But why are you projecting your stuff onto this thing called 
your pagan tradition. And I was really honored to get to attend the, uh, the, uh, International Parliament of World Religions. This was 12 or 13 oh, years yeah, ago. Oh, yeah, I remember that actually. Um, it, it happens every four years in a different place in the United, in the world. And I went to the one that was in uh, Melbourne, Australia. And I had the honor to get to attend this panel of different faith practitioners from around Eastern, from around Europe. And it was on indigenous religious, indigenous religious traditions of Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. And this gentleman who was from somewhere in Eastern Europe, I don't remember where he was speaking through his translator. And he said, dear Americans and people from Britain, we love you and your two neo-pagans from pagans and neo-pagans from United States and England. We love you and your tourist dollars. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my land and feeding me and my children. However, stop do- telling my children that they're doing their Beltanes wrong. <laughs> and a couple people awkwardly laughed like that. And he told the story of how they kept having these tourist groups being like, well, that's not what Beltane looks like. That's not what Samhain looks like. That's not what these things look like. We know. We've read all of the ancient texts. Um, as, quote, rediscovered in the 1920s. Anyway. Um, I was going to say the ancient texts of Scott Cunningham. Right, exactly. <laughs> we've read all of this stuff. clearly, And so what has happened in these areas is that there are now, quote, real Beltane rituals being held on Beltane for the tourists that look like what the tourists expect. Ah. Mm. Because the folks in their 20s and 30s know they can do that and make more money than taking people to the real ones. That, 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 those, and so therefore... There's no one actually attending the real ones. And some of the, some of those are dying because people are having to choose between do I run this fake shit for the tourists and feed my children and keep a roof over my head for the next four to five months by running a thing or two, an event or two? Or do I go to my actual tradition and run it? And attend it and not pay my bills. And I see this happen in the sex communities and kink communities to bring it back. I see this stuff happen when I see people go, oh, well, to be real, right? Or to do things as I read it in the book, right? To be a, to be a bondage person, I have to do it just like Lee did in his book, Shibari, you can use, or I have to do it just like the stuff in these ancient Japanese traditions that are being passed down through these dojos in the United States. That's what bondage looks like. And I have to make it look like that or else I'm not really into bondage. Uh Honey, sweet darling. Seriously, if you at home got totally turned on by you taking some scarves and some ties and you tied up your lover to a bed, making making up some shit that you thought was beautiful and sexy, if what you're doing isn't cutting off your play partner's circulation and isn't causing nerve damage, do you. Don't let that douche canoe at the local dungeon say, oh, well, you know some of that stuff. Let us teach you the real stuff. Fuck that noise, right? Yep. Seriously, yep. right? Do the things that turn you on. Learn the safety shit, right? I want to make sure that you're not having somebody like get nerve damage to a point, like you're not having issues where if you feel the stabbing pain through your arm, if, so, if it feels like someone's stabbing you and no one's stabbing you, 
tell your partner, stop it, right? right? Like, don't tough your way through that, right? But if we're not causing nerve damage, if half my hand isn't falling asleep, if I'm not having any of that stuff, and I'm making sure that I have safety equipment nearby to get someone out if there's an issue that I need to be able to respond to quickly with the main issue you're going to have to respond to is somebody knocking on your door and saying, mommy, daddy, parent, what's happening in that noise? Why are they making that noise? And you have to cut your lover out so that they can go deal with the four-year-old. <laughs> That's the main one I see people have to cut ropes for, right? Yep. seriously um but if that stuff isn't coming into play don't let anyone tell you that your sex and your kink isn't real and if what you're doing unless it is coming from a formal magical tradition that is handing down a technology that says by opening up the tower of the gateway of the south is allowing you to access into the fire energy and you do that on a specific moon phase to be able to dive deeper based on lineages that have been handed down for the last 40 years of proven technologies by having lots of people fuck up this stuff and realize that thing didn't work how do we do it better if you're being passed down a lineage that has all of this technology, fantastic. In the same way that if you're being passed down a lineage of rope bondage that has been done for the last 40 years in specific ways and other people have hurt themselves so that you and your partner don't have to hurt them yourselves, mm-hmm. cool. But if those are not the cases and what you're finding is that by setting out specific types of candles that trigger your unconscious mind to be able to enter into a trance state – that allow you to dive into your unconscious and you can come back with new pieces of your own awareness. Awesome. I will say though, as a spirit worker, that some of that stuff isn't safe in the same way that I would say as somebody who has some awareness around psychological processing, even though I am not a therapist, I know lots of therapists and I've gone to a lot of therapists over the years in the same way that kink might be cathartic, but it's, it might even be cathartic it might, even th- it might even feel therapeutic, but it's not therapy. Mm-hmm. So having your lover take you into a therapeutic places of reenacting your sexual trauma that you had when you were 17 years old to being able to have this moment and come out the other side, consider also having a therapist to process that shit with afterwards. Yep. Amen. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, absolutely. Right? The kink technology might work, but it doesn't mean it's safe. I think the same thing applies to our magical practices, applies to our sacred practices, applies to all of this stuff. And my hope is for folks who read Sacred Kink or for other books in those types of stuff out there, you have an awareness that these are technologies that you can tap into, but you are also full of excellent wisdom from your life well lived. And hell, even if it hasn't been a life well-lived, it's been a life lived and you can go, wow, I never need to do that thing again. (laughs) You know what? You have one piece of wisdom that you can add to your list of stuff you know, that if you read something in a book, you could be like, wow, I don't need to do that. Yeah. And listen to to the excellence you carry around in your own brain and your own body, because you're full of it. Mm Mm-hmm. Ugh. Thank such, you. Such great advice. Oh my advice. goodness! Like I, I'm, I'm gonna enjoy. I'm like looking forward to editing this episode because I'm like I gotta hear it all again. I gotta all digest it. <laughs> and and I'm really excited for the American fuckers to listen to it, whether they are you know very much on board with um, you know spiritual sacred kink or whether they're like I don't know about this shit. Um, and I'm gonna have to tell them at the beginning of this episode, listen to the whole damn thing because I mean you've just illuminated 
so eloquently how we're all going through the same stuff. We're all having the same experiences. And and on the same token, the experiences that we've had are all shaping our bullshit, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Lee. Absolutely. Yeah. And by the way, I just wanted to say kudos to you. You're the only person that I know that's taught in every state in the United <laughs> States and multiple countries yes. as well. Yes. Yeah. Some of that took some work. Uh, How'd like, you do North Dakota? Oh, oh North <laughs> Dakota was actually compared. There's actually a, a pretty good community in Fargo. Um, oh. and there's Idaho. also a. Um, Idaho, there's actually a great community in Boise, but I taught in Coeur d'Alene because I was in, I was teaching in, in, I was reached out by a group of folks in Spokane, Washington, and I told them that if you let one of my classes be in Coeur d'Alene, if you have, like, sponsor that group getting to have one of my classes, I'll do stuff for cheaper. Like, like, just, I, I want to teach in Idaho. No, some of the hard ones, South Dakota, that was tricky. Oh, yeah. Um, if I had been in Missoula, that would have been easy to teach in Montana, but teaching in, in Billings was hard. Oh. Uh, like, so there's some of those, um, but yeah, Billings, like I, cow, cowboy kink in Deadwood. Like I can't, <laughs> like, well, and it, it's, uh, no, so what that one ended up being funny. Cause I was, I was being brought out to Iowa to teach at the Iowa leather weekend, which is huge and fantastic. And I can't recommend that event enough. If you're a leather person, especially if you're a gay male leather person, it's great. Um, or if you just want to go to the show, there's amazing choreography during the competition, but I was being brought out for that. And my leather brother, um, at the time lived in the twin cities in, in, uh, and so I decided to do a tour thinking, oh, South Dakota, North Dakota, that'll be a great little circle. And so instead, it got turned into this giant like donut shaped thing where it went South Dakota, North Dakota, Montana, Wyoming, uh, Tulsa, so Oklahoma, across to Iowa and back up. Damn. I-, I got to teach um, a rope bondage class in South Dakota in a barn in the middle of a cornfield. <laughs> That's awesome. And when we asked where that we met up with everybody like in the parking lot of a like parking lot outside a restaurant or outside a convention center next to a restaurant and we were like, "Well, what's the address so if we get lost, we have it in in our GPS." And the guy just looked at us and said, "The GPS doesn't work out there." Wow. <laughs> and we followed them. School with maps. <laughs> oh, oh, no, no. And they didn't give us a map either. Like so we drive about yeah, 10 miles out of town heading south and then we take a left into some cornfields. Wow. And then we about to drive another five miles and turn left into some cornfields. <laughs> and my leather brother's like six foot two or something. And we're looking at the corn that's eight feet tall. And we're like, we're just going to die. <laughs> we're being taken out here into the middle of nowhere to be killed in some sort of ritual sacrifice. We're all just going to die. Yeah. Yeah. It was. And then the billing in, in Billings, it was, uh, I got to teach a class on power exchange in culture in the Billings, Montana Public Library. Ooh. Ooh. Awesome. Yeah. Where, where did you teach in Nevada? Um, oh, Nevada, I've taught at the uh, erotic, um, the, the erotic museum. Yeah. The erotic oh, yeah, yeah. museum. Yeah. Um, so that's great. Uh, in in uh, Mobile, Alabama, I got to teach at a crossover space between the pagan community and a kink community that instead of having St. Andrew's crosses, they had pentacles. Oh That's wow! Awesome. Their kind of like bondage space was their their temple that was surrounded by deities of all these different traditions and candles lit, and it was like their little bondage pod area. Um, cool. And everybody brought fresh made cupcakes. Nice. God, was that right. just made for you or what? It was great. It was great, <laughs> I, and it was in Mobile, Alabama. 
right? And so what it taught me is that even if it looks differently than what you expect, there's something out there almost everywhere, but it might just be one other person. Right. And it might involve if you're in uh, if, if you were in northern Mississippi, like I am so happy for the three people who were willing to drive the three plus hours to come see me in southern Mississippi, because there was nothing else within three miles uh, within three hours other than their one group. Mm. And their group was all run by heteros- heterosexual male dominant female submissive partners. And here was a woman who this was not her experience who was being told for years that that's all there is, but she was seeing online that there was other stuff. And so she's like, am I just crazy or am I just in the wrong area? And the answer is the people who happen to run your specific group aren't a good fit for what you do. But even if there's nobody geographically right next to you, I bet you there's at least one other person online who gets it. Mm Mm-hmm that you are not alone, even if there's days that it might feel like it, right? You are the one adult baby who lives um, on the, you know, who lives in Oahu, right? There's someone else out there, right? Who at least can talk to you online. Thank whatever deity or science for the internet. Really, for real, yeah. That you are not alone, even if there's days that might feel that way. And so I just want to let people know that because especially those for those of us who have been financially disenfranchised and you can't drive three hours to go to a class, that's not a thing. You can listen to a podcast online, you know, that you can come onto this show and hear all of this great stuff that you're hearing from all of these different people and being passed down wisdom from these two amazing hosts. That's fantastic. But no that you are not alone, even if it's just the three of us here going, hey, you're cool too, whatever your kink is. Mm-hmm. There's something out there for everyone, mm-hmm. right? Because seriously, the internet's full of wacky. And, <laughs> and I love all the wackiness out there, right? If you want to type in lemon whores, oh, there's yes. a video for that, Ooh. right? Seriously, like it's there's there's a lot of shit out there. So own it, embrace it. And if you live somewhere, you know, in the 50 states, go to my website, click if you go over to my upcoming appearances page and go all the way to the bottom, there's a little thing that says previous experience. Click on that and you can just scroll through to see all the places so you can actually like hunt down these places. If you're thinking, I live in such and such, there's nothing here. You know what? There's probably something. You just don't know where it is because there's some places that as you know, if you're listening from those places, you know, rural South Carolina, you have to know somebody who knows somebody or else you're going to get your club shut down. Right. But there is a group called, you know, Low Country Leather in South Dakota, I'm sorry, South Carolina, that does run a leather club that has education from time to time. Mm. But you wouldn't have known that unless you heard it from me. Right, right. Because they're not advertising stuff in your local newspaper. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of internet and your website, tell us where people can find you, whether it's your website, social media, because you know, you know, they're going to want to come looking. Uh, Well, thank you. Um, My website is Passion and soul.com however if you just type in lee harrington into the internet you either get me 
a lovely woman named Lee Harrington who wrote, uh, who wrote Rex in the City, a complete dog walking guide, who is not <laughs> me. She is, but, however, you know, leashes. You have that in common, maybe. Um, well, yeah, exactly. Though she now <laughs> plays, she now plays the Kirtan and has a, a great album that just came out. I cannot mention her album enough. It's really good. So oh. go support her musical work. Um, so you're going to find one of the two of us. So um, anyways, it's pretty clear that I'm me. Uh, so yeah, you could do that. Uh, on My Facebook group is also type in Lee Harrington or Passion and Soul. And that's the case everywhere. My YouTube channel, Twitter, Facebook, um, LinkedIn, you can I do have an Instagram and a Tumblr, but I'm really bad at upkeeping them. So be forewarned. If you go to fetlife.com, you can find both my fan group as well uh, the Passion and Soul fan group as well as my personal page. But if you type in Lee Harrington, you'll get to a profile that says, This is not my real profile. I don't friend people here. Please click this button. And yet for some reason I still have to clear that out every once in a while because people don't <laughs> seem to read that. Because no, no, humans. Yeah. Um so yeah, you can find me all over the place online. I have my own podcast, though it's on hiatus, but I have over a hundred back episodes you can listen to. That if you type, it's the Passion and Soul podcast. But again, if you go to my website, you can find all of those as easy links. I've been blogging since we called it an online journal back in 1998. Damn. So you can find all of my, I know, right? I had that moment where I'm like, I've had a <laughs> blog for more than 20 years. What the hell's up with that? I know. Is your blog a little um, to drink? Nice. It is actually. Yeah. (laughs) There's days where it's wanted to. Um, And uh, so there's a lot of backlogs on there, all free. Um, I've got a lot of free stuff. There's videos on my, you like go, go grab all of my free stuff. And um, I've written, I I have 10 books with my names on the cover that are either anthologies uh, or uh, I have three anthologies and the rest are books by me or co-written by me. So feel free to find all of my stuff online and yeah stalk me have Yay. fun thank you so okay. much you know I talk always... about inattentive people i just noticed that there you had some of my best friends on the cover of your book sacred kink that i didn't know that they were the models <laughs> for the cover so mr <gasps> simone and john uh, like love you guys oh. i didn't know you were the cover oh, of the oh. Book. and actually as a note then you are looking at first edition Ah, um, okay. Oh, okay. So first edition came out almost a decade ago, and I'm glad it existed. But then second edition now exists. It came out, came out two years ago, and it's got a blue cover with just two people on the cover instead of four. And if you own first edition, email me, and I will send you the PDF or your choice of <gasps> ebook of oh. second edition. Because I don't know. It's edited better. Um, <laughs> cool. Because, you know, yep. 10 years pass and you can become a better author. It's so strange. Yeah. Um, and also, I just cleared up a lot of material. There was a lot of confusion on certain topics. Chapter one used to be really lengthy. It was a 50-page chapter. It's now broken into two different chapters. Um, and it's been made more accessible for people who don't already know what the words, I don't know, sacred and kink mean. Um, it introduced those concepts at the very beginning of chapter one rather than ex- assuming some stuff on the, the part of who my readers were. So it makes it a lot more accessible to the 101 reader as well. Cool. Uh, also, for folks who are not um, book readers, I am in the middle right now of recording the audiobook. And uh, the audiobook will be out sometime in the spring of next year, fingers crossed. Ooh. And the audiobook for my poetry book um, on Starry Thighs, the audiobook is coming out in the next month if everything goes well with Audible. So it's all been recorded. It's all been edited. Audible just informed me, though, that my cover didn't look good enough. And I'm like, stop you and your hating. 
Ah, poopy. Well, and as always, American fuckers listening along, we will have all of the links that we either talked about in the interview or that we gave just now in the show notes at americansexpodcast.com for this episode. And if you have a link to your Audible by the time this comes out, we'll get that in there too, or I'll update it later or whatever. It'll be there eventually. So, Love it. Yay. Well, thank you, Lee. This has been amazing. It's been such a delight to be on the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag PsyChicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.